Hello, hello, and welcome back to Art House Garage. You are listening to episode six. Thank you so much for joining us. Unfortunately, my wonderful co-host Drew was unable to join me this week for the podcast. He had a scheduling conflict, but I have a very exciting interview with a filmmaker today, so let's jump right in. So today, what is the movie we are discussing? It is called Kelly's Hollywood. It is a documentary uh, created by a filmmaker named Brian Donovan. Uh, So who is this filmmaker? He uh, has a sister named Kelly, and he has made a documentary basically about her life. And it's very personal to me because Kelly... Uh, is a person with Down syndrome and she is very full of energy and uh, has lots of dreams and aspirations and um, you may not know this but October is actually Down Syndrome Awareness Month so I thought this was the perfect film to discuss uh, for this month. This is as I mentioned a personal topic to me. I have two children with Down syndrome and so advocacy for on their behalf and on behalf of all people with Down syndrome is something that's very near and dear to my heart. My wife was connected to this filmmaker and this film at a conference she was attending and I thought wow I need to try to get a hold of that guy. I went ahead and broke this interview into two pieces. Uh, The first half we talk mostly about the film and filmmaking and the second half we get more into the advocacy talk. Uh, You know I try to keep these episodes half hour ish in length and this interview was too good to cut off so we just kept talking and talking and I thought this will be a good two-parter so in this first half we are going to talk about what it's like to make a documentary what it's like to make a documentary about something so personal and how Brian got this film together Brian is one of the nicest people I've ever met and uh, you'll get a sense of that as you listen but we dig into a lot of uh, great details about the movie where you can watch it Uh, And I'll address that at the end of the episode as well. For a little bit more information about Brian Donovan, here is a chunk of his bio. Brian Donovan is the director and producer of the award-winning documentary Kelly's Hollywood, which we are discussing today, currently streaming on Showtime. The film is a very personal portrait of his relationship with his sister Kelly, who was born with Down syndrome. One of his greatest joys has been screening and speaking about the film across the USA, creating awareness and advocating for those with special needs. He also created and produced the children's self-empowerment show, Mighty Me Training Camp, a top title on Discovery Education, streaming from 2008 to 2012. Brian has worked as an actor for almost 30 years in hundreds of commercials and voiceovers, as well as dozens of film and television projects with such Hollywood luminaries as Angelina Jolie, Jim Carrey, Gabriel Byrne, and Jim Belushi. Television roles include the award-winning Gia, Beverly Hills 90210, Sabrina the Teenage Witch, and Wings. Currently, he is every kid's taijutsu hero, Rock Lee, in the world-famous anime series, Naruto. In addition, Brian is the executive director of the nonprofit Los Angeles Repertory Theater, providing inner-city youth with performing arts workshops. He directed and produced their educational documentary, You Got Issues, about one of their critically acclaimed workshops. Brian lives with his family and dog, Cosmo, in Los Angeles, California. So what is this movie about? It is about Kelly. She's the main character. And uh, this is Brian Donovan's sister. And Kelly 
is so full of life. It starts with her as a young, uh, from her birth, and kind of goes through their childhood and through her struggles as uh, as it pertains to Down syndrome, but really just as, as it pertains to humanity. Um, she and Brian have an incredibly close relationship, and he really advocates for her well, and he spends a lot of time trying to help her realize her dreams. And I think that's one of the, the greatest things about it is that you see people with Down syndrome have dreams just like everyone else. Basically, anyone who watches this movie is going to just fall in love with Kelly. She is uh, an amazing person. A secondary sort of story that comes into this is Brian and his uh, relationships with women. Basically, he has girlfriends through the years, and his relationship with his sister is so close that and she she doesn't require attention of him, but they are so close that she gets most of his attention, basically, and that causes a lot of conflict with, with his female uh, relationships through the years. So you watch that play out as well, and the whole movie culminates with, uh, you know, Kelly has this dream. She loves the movies. She loves um, Hollywood and the, the whole culture around that. And she has this dream of being a Hollywood diva. And Brian lives in Hollywood uh, as, a, as an actor. And she visits him frequently. And basically, uh, the film culminates with this big event that Brian throws for his sister. It is uh, She gets to be the star of the show. And um, you can see this in the trailer. But that's kind of the the big event at the end of this and it's incredibly emotional to watch and just a really really special thing and I, I'm just so thankful that this was documented that other people can know about what happened that night and, and all the context surrounding that too uh, truly an amazing movie um, when I first heard about this and I addressed this with Brian too I kind of thought okay here's a, a low budget documentary about kind of a niche subject um, and maybe I shouldn't expect too much from it but it really blew me away, and I think it will for anyone, not just if you have a connection to this world. So, without further ado, here is my interview with Brian Donovan. We are here with Brian Donovan, a filmmaker and advocate, and I'm so excited to have him here. Thank you for joining us, Brian. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm thrilled to be here, and uh, looking forward to Talking all things movies. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So I recently had the pleasure of watching Brian's film, Kelly's Hollywood, about his sister with Down syndrome. And uh, this is very personal to me because I have two children with Down syndrome. And um, I, my wife had met him at a conference and I was excited to, when she was like, she was like, got on the phone with me, he's like, I met the coolest guy, you gotta, you gotta hear about this movie. Uh, he gave me a copy, I was really excited to watch it. And um, since then, I was just thrilled to see, like, what is this thing? And uh, she brought it home, and we watched it and loved it. So that is the exciting guest we have today. But um, I will say this, and this will lead into kind of my first question, is um, I, you know, I first heard, okay, it's this really cool documentary, and uh, I saw the trailer, and uh, I think at some point along the way, someone said, yeah, it's kind of this, this low-budget documentary. And I think when I heard that, I sort of tempered my expectations to think, uh, okay, it's a low budget, first time filmmaker, you know, maybe I shouldn't expect too much basically, but I wish <laughs> I had not done that because it really took me on an emotional journey uh, more than I expected. Uh, and it, it 
I, I do, of course, have the bias of having two kids with Down syndrome, but it um, pulled me along from the very beginning. And uh, I'm curious to hear what kind of reactions have you heard from people that otherwise may not have much of a connection with the Down syndrome community? Yeah, you know, it's 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 funny. It's funny that you mentioned the, the low budget aspect mm-hmm. because, um, you know, I think that was one of um, one of the obstacles I faced, uh, you know, because I mean, for your listeners, just a little backstory. Um, you know, I started shooting my sister, I guess, very loosely with a little consumer camera back in 98. Um, and then, you know, into, you know, 2001, 2003, you know, kind of, and it wasn't until 2003 that, um, I got a little more serious about actually documenting her Mm. and thought, oh, there might be something here. There's a story here I've never really seen before. Um, and so to your point of the low budget, it really reflects that, you know, this was camcorder stuff. It was way before, um, HD and, um, or certainly, you know, consumer camera HD, um, and, uh, you know, so I kept it in a 4.3 frame for your filmmaker fans, um, and you know it was a choice I made because 80% of my footage was was 4.3, and um, and so yeah, it's got this very you know kind of this very home movie uh, look to it, um, and I think that you know really troubled you know when I was trying to get festival circuit stuff and and um and and even someone that was very interested in 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 buying it for distribution mm-hmm. um but i think in the end they they got nervous and didn't pull the, the trigger so to speak mm-hmm. uh, because of the 43 framing and because of you know most of it was this you know camcorder uh, sd stuff mm-hmm. um transferred hd and um and you know and and really to full circle the 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 aspect of distribution just to your point of of the low budget um you know i really credit showtime who ultimately picked it up and distributed it um and give them a lot of credit for really taking that leap uh and also taking the leap of the more universal themes of the film which Mm -hmm. brings us you know really full circle to your question about you know how is a general audience reacted to the film and, you know, for a long time, I wasn't even, you know, I wasn't sure if I was just making a really expensive glorified home movie, you know, so yeah, I wasn't yeah. sure, you know, if it would translate. I wasn't sure if the spirit of my sister or even our relationship yeah. interest anyone uh, in a film. I knew my sister's spirit was 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 remarkably contagious while she was alive yeah. and when she entered the room. Um, and our relationship was, I think, was generally special to witness to um, our friends and otherwise because we were so close. But um, I wasn't sure if any of that would translate to film. And mm-hmm. so I was working on it, working on it. And, you know, and I just kept going because I knew it was a story I needed to tell, um, you know, ultimately for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, it's it's been amazing. I mean, needless to say, the obvious niche uh, demographic market audience um, is uh, anyone tied to disability in some way, shape, or form? Mm-hmm. Um, but of course, in true filmmaker fashion, you want your film to be recognized and accepted and appreciated by the masses and by the general, you know, general, more general audience. Yeah. And what I've come to find, you know, with Showtime, um, you know, obviously my first kind of launch and my first audience was the disability community to some degree. But after I got on Showtime, really catapulted it to uh i made it available obviously to a more general audience and they were just as um appreciative and and just as moved by the film and in a lot of cases even more so because i think um 
you know, and this is really, I think, speaking to kind of how sad it is, frankly, that, and we all do it, but, you know, you see a movie poster, you see a trailer, and we, we immediately yeah. uh, brand it and label it one way or, or you know, it, genres and otherwise. But, but, you know, if you see, God forbid, you see a disabled character in the trailer, mm. all of a sudden, oh, it's a disabled film or whatever. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and it's, you know, in, in a lot of ways, I think it's tragic because it, 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 it doesn't, um, it doesn't, uh, a lot of them don't reach, uh, again, a more general audience, and they should, because frankly, at least from my perspective, those are the people that should see those films. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and speaking to, you know, the advocacy of the film, you know, yeah, I mean, those, you know, the general audience really is. And look, we know, I'm sure you know, as well as I, I mean, 20% of the the population, certainly in America, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming, I'm guessing internationally, um, are disabled in some way. I mean, twenty mm-hmm. percent. So you know, this is um, these are themes uh, that that need to be seen and they need to be represented in film. But again, I think what's been really, really gratifying is that the feedback. You know, I get these emails. Um, you know, when it airs on Showtime or someone stumbles on it, you know, who has no ties to the disabled mm-hmm. community. Um, I get these just these amazingly thoughtful uh emails and and feedback that it just blows them away you know and and they just and and what's really gratifying is that well two things one is they just um they just love the love you know that's Mm. that's represented in the film Mm -hmm. Um, but more importantly and i think what's really gratifying is they all go wow your sister was just like me you know and there's a lovely saying going around the community the disabled community right now that we're more alike than different and yeah. and it's and it really is a wonderful saying because that's it you know and that was my job i think as a, mm-hmm. as a brother and as a filmmaker to just get my sister in the room so people could appreciate her um not from afar not stereotypes yeah. not labor but just appreciate her as a human being and that's what's so gratifying as a filmmaker when i hear that um, that oh you know she was she just has the same she's complex she has the same love she has the same you know the, the same sexual desires as I do I mean all these mm, things yeah you know, they, they they didn't think or or assumed otherwise and to shatter those is is just you know fantastic as you can imagine so um, that's a very long winded answer to oh, your yeah. first question <laughs> but uh, you know. uh, yeah anyway I hope that answers your question it totally does <laughs> yeah and I I getting to this a little bit later, but just, I do think that it advocates so well in that way. And that it's such a personal story and that we see her, uh, the way you do. Um, yeah, I'll get back to that, but I have another question around the filmmaking. Uh, so in my very limited knowledge of documentary filmmaking, I know editing is, is a big deal. So I'm curious how, how much footage did you have? Cause it, this went back to early childhood and all the way up to uh, a few years ago. So was there a lot to get through with that? Yeah, there was, um, you know, just to fill your listeners in, um, you know, the, the film, I don't reinvent the wheel in any way, shape or form. I, you know, my film is very chronological. It, it, it takes us from our very early childhood, as you mentioned. And I was very, very lucky um, because my dad, though not a filmmaker, mm-hmm. somehow, I'm not even sure, had a Super 8 camera. He took about, I think, I, I had trans um, transferred about 44 minutes that he had on these little, you know, Super 8 reels that are about three minutes long. And of the 44 minutes, probably, I don't know, maybe 
35 to 40 minutes were just complete, you know, turds. You know, <laughs> yeah. There was nothing to do with, you know, it was just all these flare outs and just, you know, just little bits and pieces. Yeah. But um, I was able to salvage about three to four minutes of just really golden stuff. Mm, and wow. and so I built the, the foundations of the film around what I had and I wrote to that. Um, and I was very lucky because it really grounds the film. It really creates a foundation of the film. And, you know, I think anyone, everyone, um, aesthetically just finds Super 8 stuff so nostalgic. And so yeah. um, it just lends itself so beautifully to, to any film, but certainly documentaries. And so it really, really grounds it um, in that way. Uh, so I had to call through, I guess, in total of all the footage that I took personally of my sister, um, it was about 130 plus hours, um, and then there was about 5,000 uh, still photos. Mm. Uh, and so, so, yeah, I mean, you know, documentarians, um, you know, I think some, I mean, you know, look, like every everything, every creation, there's different ways of going about it. But um, the way it happened for me was I just, I had to look at everything I had. So in other words, I didn't really shoot um, with intention necessarily. I didn't really shoot um, with a story in mind. I just shot... Um, things that intrigue me, things that, um, you know, performance, whatever, whatever my sister was doing, um, you know, I just shot very randomly, a little more intention as I thought about making a documentary, quote unquote, but, um, so I had to really build the story and what I wanted to say and post and through the editing process, which you alluded to. Mm. Um, so, you know, I liken it to a huge pedestal with a massive piece of clay on top of it and for a very long time it just looks like a big massive piece of clay that you just keep kind of you know pushing around um and you know I joke all the time when I first started I had this this huge uh roll of paper like that stuff you see in preschools and kindergartens you know the big roll of paper that you know two and a half three foot wide and as long as you unroll it and so mine was about 10 feet by three feet tall and and I had a big Sharpie and I had all these themes and these things I wanted to address and talk, you know, just you name it. And it looked like a giant ink blot, you know, like I think a, a psychologist would have had a veal day, you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was it was a lot, you know, I'm not going to lie. It took me a long time to figure out exactly what I wanted to say. And, mm-hmm. um, and you know, a f- I held on to a few things, you know, these little, I suppose, these little filmmaker sayings and um, you know, they speak to, you know, don't tell the show. And so that was mm-hmm. something that ran through my head. You know, it was also, um, you know, the filmmaker saying of, you know, how ultimately do you want, the, how do you want that audience to feel when they're done watching the film? What, do you, what is it that you want them to walk away with? What message? And so a lot of those things were kind of running through my mind throughout mm-hmm. the whole process. Um, so, but I think different, um, you know, for me, I suppose, uh, than, most filmmakers, uh, I mean, well, I shouldn't say that. I guess, I guess the best way to say it is I had to actually learn to edit. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, because I had so much footage, I knew that it was going to be financially um, brutal and just, it's just not possible had I edited, had I hired an editor, mm-hmm. you know, for a thousand bucks a week to call through all the footage. So, so I realized, you know, very early on that I'm going I'm to have to figure this out myself. And so, um, and this is for your filmmaker fans, uh, you know, this, um, I a little sidebar story. I went to Apple's one-on-one at the Apple Store here in Los mm-hmm. Angeles 
um, every week. It was the best $99 I ever spent. Nice. I went every single Friday for an hour to the Beverly Center here in LA. And um, and before the, the iPhone blew up, you know, so this is about 2007, wow. uh, just about the time the iPhone came out, all the one-on-one -on -one guys were still teaching pro apps if you wanted them to, mm -hmm. you know. So you had questions about Final Cut Pro, which is what I edited on. Um, you know, that's what I did. I went every Friday. I worked with this kid, Ram, who's still a good friend of mine 10 years later. Nice. Um, he was just a young kid who worked there. And I said, I'm working on a documentary. And every week I would come in with different questions wow. to learn to edit. And so that's, you know, again, it was the best $99 I ever spent. Um, I, I spent a year doing that. And by the end of that year, I felt confident enough that I could execute, um, you know, enough to, to make this film uh, in some way, shape or form. Again, for a long time, I wasn't sure it was gonna be a glorified <laughs> movie. But, uh, but you know, I, I, I sculpted the clay and, <laughs> yeah. and eventually found success. Uh, oh, that's incredible. Was it was it more difficult to edit, you think, because you had a personal connection to what you were editing? Yes and no. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's there's absolute truth to that. Um, to the degree that you know you you lack any and all objectivity, you know. Yeah. And so mm -hmm. I think someone that came to this with fresh eyes and 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 lack of emotional connection, um, you know, would probably be able to see things a little easier, a little clearer. Mm -hmm. uh, on the flip side of that, though. I knew that my story was very personal and I knew that this is something I needed to do myself and I knew that the intimacy is there and, and the spirit of Kelly, you know, I, I just knew that there was things that I really needed to play with for a long time. Um, and so I think even if I had hired someone, I suppose, um, I, I, I probably would have been a horrible collaborator, you know, because I think I would have second guessed everything for the first year, you know, like, yeah. you know, what about this? And again, back to money and paying someone, it would have been, it just would have been, it would have been possible, you know? Yeah. I mean, I really needed that time to, to, to just play with it and mess with it and emotionally yeah. Yeah. Um, come to grips with it. And, uh, and yeah, so there was, there was a lot of that. Um, and, um, you know, really, I think, Ultimately, it was also a very personal journey for me, not only as a filmmaker, but just as a, as a brother. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I'll, I'll get this out of the way now just for your viewers, but it is a spoiler alert. Uh, um, you know, my sister passed away uh, in the process, in my post-production process. And so I, you know, that was a huge variable to the, the journey I was on as a filmmaker. So I had to shelf the project or I did jump the project for two and a half years and I emotionally just, you know, just didn't know how to get back to it until of course that little, that little voice on your shoulder says, you know, you got to finish this, this journey, this chapter of your life and, and tell the story. And so ultimately I did pick it back up. Um, obviously we're talking about it now, but, uh, but you know, so that was a big part of, of the whole journey for me, not only as a brother, but as a filmmaker and, and going on oh, my, you know, what do I want to say? And then of course I had to handle, uh, death and dying in the film, so that was its own challenge, as you can yeah, imagine. Yeah, absolutely. And that was the first half of my interview with Brian Donovan. Thank you so much for tuning in. We will have the next half of this interview next week, so please return and have a listen to that. In the meantime, you can stay tuned to Facebook. We are at Art House Garage for fun news, movie news, and updates, as well as Twitter at Art House Garage, Instagram at Art House Garage, and Stardust at Art House Garage. 
catch up with me on Letterboxd. I will link that in the show notes. And feel free to email me. That is andrew at arthousegarage.com. Thank you so much for listening. Bye-bye.